probably once a month, I do an interview with an analyst and it's really valuable to be able to get, you know, something from outside our market perspective and to understand what other people are seeing and looking at. So it, it's pretty valuable and it kind of helps you, you know, when you go to run your business. Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Okay, welcome to Peer Talk. There are a number of great business owners out there, just like yourself, who would love to share their experiences with you, and we hope to give them a voice. Movie Tracker is proud to sponsor this episode of Peer Talk, the rental industry's premier podcast. Movie Tracker does GPS tracking for rental equipment. When you hear, where is this equipment? That costs your company $18 each time. Stop the bleeding, call us for a demo. Welcome to Peer Talk. Our guest today is the one and only Robert Sloan from Chicago, Illinois. He is the owner of Contractors Equipment Rentals, a longtime member of Peer Executive Groups. I think he's been in for over 10 years now. He also is the managing partner of Elm Ridge, which is a uh, development firm looking at industrial properties and also owns a property management commercial real estate firm. Um, And Robert has had an incredible curiosity about forecasting, about what is happening uh, economically uh, currently and then in the future. And uh, therefore today we will have him as a guest discussing that. So let's find out about what's gonna happen in 2021 with Robert Sloan. Welcome to Peer Talk. My name is Dan Crowley. I am your host for this hour, and I have invited Robert Sloan from CE Rents, that's CE Rentals, also known as Contractors Equipment Rentals, located in Elmhurst, Illinois. Welcome to the program, Robert. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Glad to be part of it. Excellent. Well, we're glad you're here. And and today we're going to be uh, really focusing on uh, what we've been through and where we're going and how you as a business owner are able to kind of use the resources around you to establish your plan for the new year. And Robert has uh, been part of peer groups for quite some time. Um, I would say pre the 2008 uh, recession. Is that correct, Robert? Yeah, we started right about then. Yes. Yeah. So we were able to kind of Traverse that recession and then uh, move forward through um, uh, the run-up that has happened with the economy and the construction industry uh, from back in 2010 era to 2020 and beyond. So uh, with that, um, Robert, I had a quick question for you. What was it like um, during that run-up and when you got to the beginning of the crisis year, 2020, but yet had not, we have not yet gone into crisis. What was your business looking like at that point? You know, so starting back in, you know, 2008, when we, the economy was starting to really slow down, um, but we were still fairly strong. Uh, But then 2009 kind of really taught us the lesson. Um, It was really about survival, trying to figure out what was going to happen. It really looked like the next three to four years were going to be terrible. Um, so it really kind of made us reevaluate things, um, reevaluate our balance sheet, how we ran the business. Um, 
and then things started to slowly get better and uh, they kind of moved along and, and business got better and uh, we started to grow. Uh, and then 2019, 2020 were just, you know, they were phenomenal. I mean, <clears throat> the construction market was really, really strong. Um, and it just really, you know, it, it took off. And, you know, the, the amount of growth we had um, as far as our fleet and our revenue uh, was quite substantial, you know, from the, the low of about 2009 and uh, not really sure what was happening up until that point. But and and where is your business located in in Metro Chicago area? We're in the western suburbs, probably about fifteen to twenty miles west of the downtown Loop area. Um, Got it. Okay. And we service the whole, pretty much the entire Chicago market. Okay, great. And and you're, I know you, one of the unique selling propositions about your business is you are on a small piece of property. So you maybe have less SKUs, i.e. you have tighter categories. Is that the case? Asset code categories? Yeah, we, you know, uh, that was part of the reevaluation of business back in 09 to really get away from uh, uh, the items that were really, you know, that you could get at the hardware store or you could get at the Home Depot rental or, um, you know, they were really commoditized and it was very hard to compete and you, and you couldn't make any return on any of that stuff. So we really pared down our SKUs and really went after what we call compact equipment, the Bobcats, the mini excavators, a lot of compaction, air compressors, just, you know, it's a pretty tight skew on what we do. Gotcha. Okay. And then, you know, so you hit 2020, business is thriving, uh, you planted big plans uh, going forward, but obviously we kept one eye on the fact that you know, we couldn't continue a run up forever. And uh, one of the things, you know, that reason why I wanted you on the program here was uh, I know that you look at things, things that are available to you from a forecasting standpoint. But when you, where were you when you heard about the shutdown and were you able to connect the dots between the coronavirus and the potential for shutdown? Um, Take us through what that looked like and whether your firm was affected by it or or it was it more of a glancing blow? Tell us about that. So, uh, you know, going back to the beginning of February, uh, I went to the, uh, the American Rental Association Equipment Show um, with the intention that, you know, we were going to buy and add some fleet. And, um, and, you know, business was really good. And we really needed to make sure we were positioned for 2020. Um, but when I got back, it really started to seem like the end of February. I remember we had a team meeting and the employees were really nervous. Um, nobody really knew what was going, what was coming or what was going. They were talking about it. No one was really sure. Um, <clears throat> and then as we got into March, um, you know, it, it really, the, it seemed like the pressure was building on everybody and everyone was asking questions and looking. And we had a team meeting. We really discussed you know, uh, that we were going to kind of keep everybody together as a family here and get through this as a company and not necessarily worry about like the profits or the revenue side, but to really utilize this opportunity, um, to, to, you know, to do stuff in house and, and just kind of see what we could do. Um, the governor then came down with his stay at home order on March 20th. Um, and originally it was for four weeks. And so 
I brought everybody together. And this was, I think, um, really before the PPP really started to come out and, and, and they really had an idea of what was going on. So Correct, yeah. As a business owner, you really didn't know what to forecast and how long, you know, I, I started looking at different models and, you know, wondering, you know, if business fell off to zero, how long could you last? If business was 50%, how long could you last? Um, and so what we did was, you know, originally we told everybody they're going to go back to no overtime at 40 hours. Um, and we split the guys into two groups. Um, during the shutdown, the governor deemed us as an essential business and uh, said that we had a um, uh, a social uh, responsibility to stay open. That's the Got word it. we used on it. So it really felt like, you know, we, were, we felt like we had to stay open. Uh, the mm -hmm. employees were all looking around at each other. No one really knew if they should come home or go to work or not or uh, so we put some protocols in place. We split into two groups and we worked every other day. And even I worked every other day um, in the office, at least, uh, just in case someone got sick. We always had the other group that could step up and maybe go full time. So um, it was, you know, and, and at that point, I don't think any of us really realized that nine or 10 months later, we'd be talking about this still. Um, yeah. I, I think we really thought that this was going to be a four or five, six week thing and we were going to ramp back up and be fine by the summer. And you just didn't have a clue at that point, you know, it's something completely brand new. Absolutely. And then, you know, obviously then the PPP and the, and the EIDL money comes out. Um, did you feel some relief with that? Did you have any um, things that came out of that that were helpful? Yeah, the PPP was, a, a, I thought, a phenomenal program. Um, the way that they had uh, set it up and the, uh, the method of distribution of the money, as well as, uh, you know, the, the back part of it is, you know, making sure that there was no fraud and, and stuff like that. And I thought it was actually one of the first government programs that actually rewarded people that did things the right way. Um, yeah. So that part was really good. And what that did was it, it gave me as a business owner the ability to then say, okay, we've got the money to make sure that we can pay our employees, keep them uh, <clears throat> employed and working and keep their families sustained, um, and then try and figure out how do we react to what's going on and, <laughs> and what are the opportunities going to be. Because at that point, you really didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what the opportunities looked like, you know. Mm. Good point. Good point. And, and then on um, the IDL, um, so there were a lot of companies that did do it. Um, got it. It just didn't fit right for what we needed. Gotcha. Okay. And that's a good, that's a good point. So it was something where you had the ability to go deeper with that debt option. You chose not to take it. Tell us about, you know, your 2020 you're now looking, you're, oh my gosh, only what, seven weeks away from the end of the year. How has, what was the impact uh, on your business? What does your business look like compared to last year? So while, um, you know, January and February seemed to be fairly normal. We're a seasonal business in Chicago. Um, but the revenue numbers were, were probably pretty decent compared to a normal January, February. Um, you know, we were doing well, but then you know, it fell off the table in March and April. 
Um, but as soon as the shutdown hit, it seemed like a lot of projects that were maybe scheduled to start in May or June, especially like the, the school projects when they sent all the kids home, all those projects immediately started. And mm. the demand was incredible. Uh, we really, you know, all of a sudden, while we were doing our split crews, working half the time, um, the, some of the, you know, the, the employees in the back, you know, were getting restless and looking at me saying, you got to bring more people back. You know, it's good that we've got this social distancing and we only have to work half the time, but there's just almost too much work for us to do. Um, so we started adding, we went back and added Saturdays, which was a sixth day to allow us um, to get some more of the work done. And then uh, we brought back our drivers and didn't allow them to come into the building to try and <clears throat> alleviate that. So they basically sat outside. We brought them the equipment. They went to the job sites and came back. And then we, at one point we just said, that's it. We've got to bring everybody back. So we brought everybody back. And we tried to limit the overtime if we could, but I told them that it was going to be, you know, on an individual basis. If, if we're busy and we're working and you guys want the overtime, you can get it. So we really didn't monitor it very closely, but, uh, and it was very, very strong. I mean, I, it was stronger at times than I had ever seen it before in my 31 years of rental business. It was, uh, uh, at times it was like a fire hose, you know, for us. Wow. And, uh, extremely blessed because this is not, you know, deep, talking to other rental companies around the country, uh, you know, certain pockets were seeing what I was seeing, but not every pocket. And uh, mm -hmm. it was really busy and uh, a tremendous amount of new customers, which was really, uh, I think, for the long term, that's a phenomenon that is really going to help us um, adding those people. And I kind of feel like a lot of those companies the larger companies or the nationals had gone into such a steep shutdown mode mm -hmm. that it had allowed these small independents like me to be able to step in and grab maybe some of that market share or grab some of those customers that we had not done business with in the past. And uh, uh, Yeah, we, you know, just jumping ahead a little bit, we did uh, discover upon review of data from both United and Sunbelt that, you know, they had made some policy decisions that, uh, you know, essentially put their workers, um, you know, a little bit behind the independents. The independents were able to move quickly and adjust. And because there were some policies that were coming out that were not store by store, um, you know, it just gave the independents an opportunity to do well. I mean, we, we you know, talking about third quarter uh, activity, we see that United rentals um significantly lags the independent operator on uh, rate of change you know we know that because we obviously calculate rate of change inside of the peer groups but um you know stepping back to to 2020 so so you feel this you know this this rush of work um couple things couple questions um you know what your what's your management software by the way uh point of rental Point of rental. So you're looking probably at hourly utilization of your assets. You're you're probably looking at the uh, duration of the contracts and the size of the contracts. Has was the business significantly different than the type of business you did in 2019, or uh, same, just more? Um, 
you know, one of the, so the, I guess one of the key metrics that really like stuck out to me in this whole process was uh, the number of new customers added on a monthly basis. Um, that was a significant change for us. You know, my even my sales guys were like, where are all these people coming from? I've never heard of any of these companies. And you know, we've been in this market for a long time. You'd think we'd know a significant amount of customers and and the workers. And uh, we were amazed by that. And, you know, we really, the dollar utilization that we, um, you know, definitely got stronger um, on a lot of that equipment. Um, it seemed like the contracts were a little bit more short term. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone was kind of in a panic and didn't really know what the next day was going to bring. Um, and so, you know, we, a lot of those things are good for a rental business because they, uh, you know, short-term rentals certainly drive up your ROI, uh, but it also creates a lot more work for the individuals at the company. So um, mm -hmm. there's some pluses or minuses in that. And, you know, one thing that I can look back on 2020, especially early on, uh, was the value of the associations and the peer group. Um, mm -hmm. When things were really looking bad or, you know, there were so many questions out there, we really heavily relied on the peer groups and we also relied heavily on our associations. And I'd paid my annual dues to the associations for years, 20, 30 years at times. And never out of all those 20 years, did I ever get as much value out of what they produced and uh, were able to answer questions. And that really allowed us to make some decisions on a very quick basis on how to run the company and, how to interact with customers, how to interact with each other as fellow employees, um, putting protocols in, you know, that while business was really good in the, in the middle part of 2020, you know, the amount of extra protocols that we had to add for the extra cleaning of equipment, the extra cleaning of the offices, the, uh, the trucks, um, you know, interacting with customers, how we changed the way we did business, um, you know, going to more of a, a tremendous amount of texting now with customers, tremendous amount of emails with customers uh, when ordering equipment, um, paperless transactions, you know, getting them to e-sign, adding that from point of rental to the equation. Um, you know, there was so much that you had to, uh, you know, you had to really quickly put a lot of those protocols in place. And while some of that stuff was coming, as a normal, you know, technological advance in the industry, uh, it really moved that up from, you know, maybe something that would have been implemented over the next three to five years. It was implemented in the next six months. And uh, so it was a tremendous amount, but, you know, having to rely on the associations and the peer group was uh, instrumental in getting us through this and probably a huge advantage for those independents that have those uh, associations and peer groups in place to be able to uh, reach back and, and, have a, a conference call weekly or, and discuss this stuff and figure out what's the best practice and how do we move forward. It was, uh, that was an, an incredible part of 2020. And, and one thing that I really would not have uh, thought of at the beginning and how valuable it really became. Yeah. I remember uh, hearing about your group, your peer group going to a weekly zoom call. And I think it was like noon on Fridays or something from the East coast perspective um, and I was like, wow, how long can they maintain that? I'm thinking 
maybe four weeks or so. And and I think you guys are still doing weekly. We Zoom just calls, got weekly. We went back to monthlies. Uh, oh gosh, last week, and I kind of missed it. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It, well, uh, good, good for you guys. Yeah, we had pretty good, uh, um, pretty good attendance on it. Um, some calls were short, 10, 15 minutes. Other calls went the whole hour. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of guys had questions and, you know, we all, it turned out we all had the same questions and we were able to discuss it and work it out together as a group. And it was, it was invaluable mm -hmm. to have those guys as a resource. That's great. And, you know, getting back to your 2020 activity, um, what about sub rents and missed rentals? Any changes there? Was it a different type of year when it came to missed rentals or sub rents? Um, <clears throat> we probably had more missed rents, um, but I think it was really just demand based. I mean, I, I don't recall, you know, occasionally over the past few years, you'd have a waiting list for maybe one type of equipment and you'd be scheduling it out days or weeks in advance. Um, but it seemed like all of a sudden we almost had waiting lists for multiple items at one time, which is something we've never had. So, um, we didn't do much on the, on the sub rent part of it. Um, we did a little bit of it probably more than we've ever had, but, uh, it wasn't a real big factor in that, but, um, just tried to add some, uh, fleet and inventory where we could. And that was another hard part because, you know, a lot of the manufacturers, while we were still going, the manufacturers shut down or went, you know, work from home. And so it really, you know, if it normally took you a couple of days to get parts for a piece of equipment, it was taking you four or five to a week. Um, and new equipment was even harder to get. So um, that just added to the equation and to the amount of, you know, internal work that we had to do. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it was interesting. So you get through, I, I remember a big point for me was, and might've been for everybody, but when you make it through summer and you're hitting September and you're like, wow, am I really heading towards a fourth quarter and my head's still above water and we're hanging in there and, you know, COVID's coming back, but we're still, you know, doing well. Now all of a sudden it's like, all right, I need to do one more deep dive before I start my process of looking forward and how I'm going to move into the new year, what I'm going to look at from an asset purchase standpoint. So how do you, I know you're on this program in part because you send emails out to me and say, take a look at this and take a look at that. What are some of the, the resources that you like to look at that help you kind of just get a sense other than just talking to your peer group uh, buddies and keeping in top of the association? What are other sources of, of input for yourself? <clears throat> So I probably participate in three to four monthly surveys um, that are either from a manufacturer, an investment firm, or an association, um, where they might come back and ask you about 10 to 15 questions each month. Um, you know, how does business look this month? How's it <coughs> looking for next month? Uh, what do your rates look like? What do your utilization look like? Um you know, as well as they'd also ask a few questions where you'd have to write a few sentences down and tell them what you think. And then they compile all this data and then send it back to everybody that participated, as well as probably use it internally for what they need. Um, and it's really valuable and it really gives you, you know, while I'm a local market and really what's happening in Chicago is the most important part, 
uh, it gives me about a 20,000 foot view of the whole country and of the whole industry. And it kind of reaffirms a lot of different things that, you know, while I might've been thinking it, I really wasn't sure. And then I, I after reading some of these things, it really uh, puts things into perspective and, and helps you quite a bit. Um, and then I also probably once a month, um, I do an interview with an analyst and he really, while he's asking me the questions, you know, his questions really kind of like lead me down a path where now I start thinking about that for my own business and, and how does that affect it? And so I get as much information out of them as they probably get out of me. So it, it's really valuable to be able to get, you know, something from outside our market perspective and to understand what other people are seeing and looking at. So it, it's pretty valuable and it kind of helps you, you know, when you go to run your business. That's outstanding. I mean, that is, um, you know, I never think about that. We get offers to get surveyed quite a bit and, uh, you know, I, you got to get to give, right? So for anybody listening to this podcast, make sure that you answer those surveys, rental surveys, whether they be from the American Rental Association or from any other sources, because ultimately if we get the end report from it, it's going to be beneficial to us. We can pass it around. We can share the information, get an understanding of, of confidence that's out in the marketplace, get an understanding of uh, kind of optimism, whether there's optimism or not. And um, that can be helpful. There also might be some hard data in there as well. I know that uh, one of the innovations that came out of 2020 for us was we created PeerTech. PeerTech then contracted with Barometer. We created a quarterly scorecard. And the idea was, um, you know, being able to drill down, whether it's 100, 200, 300 people submitting data you know, what does my data look like in my region compared to others in the region? So if we have, you know, 10 operators in region five, ARA region five, or, you know, 10 operators in Illinois, you can kind of drill down, look at that from their perspective and say, wow, look at the rate of change. They're growing at a rate. Like I noticed two years ago, the rate of change in Illinois was flat. And then um, when everybody, uh, else was kind of flat in 2019. Um, Illinois was actually at a 9% to 11% growth rate with their rate of change. And I don't really know why that was, but certainly it got, it allowed me to compare one Chicago, Chicagoland operator to another. I'm not sure if, uh, if you get value out of that rate of change, if you use that Robert. Yeah, we definitely. So my group, um, that I belong to, you know, uh, we heavily rely on a composite book of financial data that we all produce on a yearly basis. Um, and it ranks us not only against everybody in the group, but it also ranks us for everybody in all the different peer groups. And uh, it really gives you a, a, it really gives you the ability to really break down into individual numbers and decide, you know, why am I, you know, in the last place or, you know, in the bottom 25 percentile in a specific category. And what am I doing that's different? It could be simply as simple as, you know, your your stores in Manhattan and rent is 10 times higher than every place in the country. Um, or it could be that you're not properly performing in that category. So it's really great to be able to look at the composite book and be able to talk to the other 10 members in that book and ask the question, say, what are you doing that's giving you a top 25 percentile here? And why am I in the bottom and talk about it? And then, you know, we all, we use the rate of change on a monthly basis. 
And the part that I find interesting about the rate of change is when you're in the day-to-day, you know, sometimes I walk in and I, 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 I put my numbers in and my business is good, things are going great, and then I'll plug it into the rate of change and I'm on a downward trend. And you're like, really? And it kind of helps you really forecast and, and make you think about it. You know, while you might be riding a high here, the overall market is starting to, you, you've turned the quarter in, on a downward trend or you've turned the corner on an upward trend when things are looking bad. And so it kind of gives you, you know, a little bit of a, a perspective where you can see three months ahead or three months behind and, and really understand it versus, you know, the, the, the battle you're fighting at the minute. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the epiphanies, I think, when people started using that rate of change was they might measure that they grew 10% over the same time last year. uh, And then a month later, they do the same calculation and they grew 7%. And then they do it a month later, and then they see that they grew 3%. And it's like, whoa, that's a downward trend. That's 10 to 7 to 3. So even though I'm still growing, and that's what you always remember is like, geez, I'm growing over last year. So what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that, except for that your growth is decelerating, right? And you're like, oh crap, you know, we need to stay on top of that and, and look at that. Yeah. So um, yeah, so let's so let's turn the corner here. We got a few minutes left. Um, just want to focus you on how your 2020 is going to end. What does it look? Are you coming in strong in the fourth quarter? Is it possible that you're going to end up above over 2019? What's your projection on that? Yeah, I think 2020 is going to end pretty strong. I think we'll we'll be uh, probably up a little bit um, on it. I uh, it, it appears to me that we've had phenomenal weather all summer and this fall here in the Chicago market. So that's a huge bonus for us. That certainly helps. Um, and I just look at used equipment is the prices are holding steady or improving, which is really good. Um and the uh, utilization is still strong. And mm-hmm. so I, I really get the feeling we're going to end up uh, uh, fairly strong. This is an election year. You never know what could happen in an election year. So that adds to it. But uh, compared to where we thought we were going to be on March 20th, when the governor put his shutdown to today, um, you know, this 2020 will end up being a complete home run compared to what we thought was going to happen in March. And uh you know, very blessed from that aspect and just thankful that it all worked out the way it did so far. So. Okay. And, and then like going forward, any thoughts on your asset refresh slash asset growth? Are you going to do any expansion or? Yeah. You know, we were actually able to this summer, um, uh, refresh quite a bit of our fleet. Um, that was pretty strong. We were able to to add to the fleet a little bit and refresh. And, and I think we're going to end up doing a little bit more in 2021. Um, I think that there's a couple real big positives that will come out of this election, no matter who wins. And there's definitely going to be a second stimulus, which will certainly help us in the short term. Um, and there'll also most likely be a pretty strong infrastructure bill. Um, mm-hmm. And my anticipation is that Congress is finally going to get the message and do a, a solid multi-year infrastructure bill that we can all rely on and plan with. Um, so those are two real positives going into 2021. Um, the big negative that we have to look out for is uh, the possibility of the tax rate changing. 
and then the local municipalities, how hurt they are from the lack of sales tax and revenue that they did not bring in in 20. Mm, good. Um, good so point. that's going to be, you know, a lot of those projects when I told you they upped those school projects and they started them right away. A lot of that money was set aside and those projects were approved in November of 19. So in February, March of 20, the money's sitting there. Nobody's working. The governor says that, you know, we're a vital uh, business. We have to stay open. Construction workers went crazy. And that didn't happen in every state. We were blessed. That for one time, Illinois did the right thing. Um, so we were pretty blessed in that. But the question is, will that money be approved here in the next few weeks for projects to start next February and March? And I would think that there's going to be a significant cutback, at least off the top, for the mm -hmm. municipal work. So the infrastructure bill is going to have to come in big. Um, the stimulus is going to have to help. Um, but I, I'm still bullish about the industry and the market, um, you know, and I feel that we're probably still going to get some growth in 21. Might not be as good as 19 or 20, but uh, I think we'll continue to grow. Excellent. And so last, last question, your view, what's your, wh where do you stand with your long-term vision on the industry and CE rentals? Where, where, where do you see it down the line? You know, I want to capitalize on, uh, I feel like we picked up some market share in 20 through all the chaos. I think that was one of the things that we, we might've grabbed some market share. And so I want to keep that market share and I want to continue to grow it. Um, and it's an incredible industry. It really is. Um, you know, most industries, you sell something and you got to take 60 or 70 cents of that dollar and put it back on the shelf behind you and wait for the next mm -hmm. guy to walk in. And in the rental industry, you really don't have to do that. Um, you get to keep using the product over and over. Um, so it, it really is a very good business from that perspective. Um, and the people in the industry are phenomenal. So it's really a I'm very bullish about it, you know, going forward. Excellent. Well, we appreciate your time today, Robert. Um, thank you for joining us on Peer Talk. Yeah, really appreciate it. And I look forward to listening to all the uh, different episodes. Thank you. Rovi Tracker is proud to sponsor this episode of Peer Talk, the rental industry's premier podcast. Rovi Tracker does GPS tracking and maintenance alerts. We have a program for the rental industry that will save you 28%. Call us for a demo. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Groups, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.